0: Uh, Father, uh, what can we say to these things? If you were for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, uh, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And that's what you've done in Christ for us. Uh, So there's nothing we need to fear anymore, Father. Um, We don't know the future, but you do. And so we trust you with that. Uh, Lord, we lift up this city to you. Uh, Father, would you use us, uh, continue to make us depend on you as we work in this city that you've called us to work in, as we love the city that you've called us to to love. I pray that we would not fear man nor fear the enemy that does not want your gospel to reach this city. Uh, So would you move through us here at Hope Point? Move through our brother and sister churches around this city. Lord, help us push into the darkness without fear uh, so that uh, people that don't know you, people that has never heard of you, would hear of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time and see Jesus as precious and come to him. That's what you've called us to do in this city, Father, and I pray that you would empower us uh, to do the work that you've called us to do through your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for the same thing around the world and to the nations. Father, there's people that are preaching uh, today and have preached, and it's a danger to them that they are preaching your gospel in those countries. And so we lift those people up to you, that you would give them courage that they would be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, and you would um, speak through them, that Christ would be high and lifted up. Father, I pray now as Richard comes to preach to us, uh, Father, I know that these are your words um, that he's preaching. Uh, he can get it to our ears, Father, but only you can get it to our hearts. And so I pray that you would penetrate hearts this morning. Um That you would break rebellion, that you would heal relationships, uh, because the word was preached this morning. So I pray for my brother this morning, that you would uphold him, and that he would speak in your power, and that your spirit would reign freely here, that you would hold back the enemy from this place, that there would be no distractions from the preached word this morning, and that Jesus Christ would be held up as precious this morning to us and that you would draw people to yourself because of that. Uh, We pray this in Christ's name, amen.
1: Over the past few weeks, we've had the joyous privilege of looking at numerous scriptures reminding us that we serve a limitless God. Three weeks ago, we looked at some scriptures in Ephesians chapter 3 that said... We have a God whose love reaches out to north, east, south, and west and will go any of those directions in order to forgive a sinner who is separated from him. Then after that, we looked at the promise that we have access to limitless power, that there is no evil on earth that has to subdue us and has to control us and has to determine the trajectory of our life that we have as Christians power over all evil that would bring us to ruin. And then last week, Dan preached in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that it is the will of God that you live in peace, that God is a God who has sent His Son to die on a cross to purchase and to give to you through the Holy Spirit limitless peace, and today we come to an Old Testament passage where our limitless God is giving you an invitation to walk in and display and exhibit to this world limitless influence. So today we look at the prayer of Jabez in 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, His mother named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Nothing to do, but let's just get straight to This prayer that I call the biggest little prayer in all of Scripture. And it begins with this interesting phrase that he was more honorable than all of his brothers. It doesn't really tell us anything about his brothers, about his siblings. It doesn't really tell us was he one of those siblings that just had a great attitude. He did his chores. He was joyful. Uh, he was self-disciplined, self-motivated. Or growing up, he wanted to be an astronaut. We don't really know why he was more honorable than all of his brothers. Except the, just the default answer is... Given in the text, he's the guy that decided, unlike his brothers, to pray big. And that's why he is listed as more honorable than anybody else around him in First Chronicles uh, uh the first nine chapters of First Chronicles—it's it's very interesting. First Chronicles four is is in the middle of these these nine chapters of genealogy, genealogical records, beginning with Adam and going all the way to the family of Jabez, and it's okay to say it's a rather boring section of Scripture. I remember going to my mom and dad's family reunion in Kelly, North Carolina. Kelly's, uh, 30 miles inside of Wilmington. I loved it there on the Cape Fear River, and I loved seeing my, 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 my you know, the, the family reunion, but I just hated it right after lunch when everything got quiet and Uncle Dick would come to the front of the family and whip out all of the genealogical records of the Smith history and Bladen County, who bought what land and who owns it now. And every year we went through genealogies again. It was a horror show. This is what First Chronicles is. you just can't believe you're going through all of this, but, but it was the will of God for the Holy Spirit to put on the heart and the writer of First Chronicles to notice this man named Jabez and just to have him lifted out from all the other names because he prayed so big. and that's what made him more honorable than all of his brothers. Nothing in his circumstances that we notice. In fact, he prayed big despite his circumstances. First Chronicles 4 9 says his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So this is what his name means. This is what he grew up understanding that the events surrounding my birth were so painful to my mother that she named me uh, Pain. Not now, I, I know that sometimes you might call your your pain, but she named him Pain. It's is painful what happened. We don't know. Was like was, was she a widow? Did did like right before he was born? Did did his father die? Did his father leave? Was there a natural disaster that wiped out the the farm? Something so painful that his mother could only associate the timing of his birth with pain in her life. And so Jabez grew up associating the beginning of his life with, like, failure. Pain. Pain. And so when he goes big with this prayer, what he's saying is, I want the end of my life to be much different than the beginning of my life. And that's your choice. That's your choice. You can't do much about what's happened up to now. You can do everything about what happens after now. I were used to work in a detention center. Um, my summers off at Clemson, I would go with Tom Plowden out to an Aiken County juvenile detention center where there was a guy named Bill. He was the chaplain. He would speak every Tuesday night that we would go in the summer, and just to sort of, you know, be, be told how to counsel and the the, the young men that we. Wouldn't need to hang out with that night after the speech was given. And every Tuesday night, you could count on Bill telling these 20-year-old men in this juvenile detention center, do you want the next 20 years of life to look like the first 20 years of your life? And he would say, the choice is yours. This is, Jabez says, no, I don't. Now, I'm going to pray big. I'm going to pray big because my life started with pain. The prayer of Jabez is made up of four requests. Let's look at request number one. Jabez cried out to God, this is the first of four requests Oh, that you would bless me. Now, this is sad that we have sort of um, inoculated the word bless and have made it to be sort of a lame word. Um, Hey, would somebody bless bless the meal? Yeah, you bet. You know, thanks. Would somebody bless the meal? Um, Well, we're at the end of the service. Would you bless the missionaries? So, this word bless has sort of, it wasn't that way in biblical times. In biblical times, the word bless carried with it uh, power, authority. Like when a father would give his son his blessing, it would be like everybody in the village marketplace knew that when that boy showed up to buy things, he had all the authority of the father back in uh, on the farm. So he says, I want authority. I want the, the power and authority of God on my life. I don't want to live a natural life. I want to live a supernatural life. I want the authority of God, the favor. I want the favor of God to rest on my life. I want his help. And you say, you can't ask God. You said. By the very nature of saying, I want to live with God helping me, you are asking to live a supernatural life. So I am before you today saying, is it the will of God that you live a supernatural life? Yes. You're praying to a supernatural God. So anytime you ask, I want you involved in my life. He said, I want you to do supernatural providences in my life that cannot be explained in any other way than a supernatural God has gotten Involved and notice what Jake, uh, um, Jabez didn't do. He did not define the prayer. Uh, like, let's fast forward it to today. He didn't say, "Bless me, I want a new car. Uh, I want a new salary. I want to have a high big salary." Uh, you know, he didn't materialistically trap God um, because I know the prayer has been abused by by people who who do those kinds of things with scripture. But the, the, the prayer is still pure. And let me remind you if you've ever heard bad things about the prayer of Jabez, it's a Bible prayer. So people may have abused him, it, it's a good prayer. And so he didn't tell God how uh, to exhibit your blessing, just, I want to live a supernatural life. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, my entire life I have seen evidence after evidence. And this is to me what makes a relationship with God just so fulfilling: is to see whether it's large providences or small, God doing something. You say only God could have done that. It is the will of God that that be part of your joy. You say, "Well, give me give me an example." I could give you a thousand. I'll, but it's always more fun when they're more recent, you, so you know I'm not living a stale life. So I go out this week to visit mom. She Lisa sent me to bring mom some number sixteen hair coloring. Mama was had her first trip to the to the beauty parlor at the at the at the at the, at the nursing home, and I was to take this number sixteen hair coloring. And so mama was in the chair. Uh, getting all gussied up and um, so I went and had a talk with mom and her hairdo girl and um, then in the as I as I was talking to them another resident wheeled in the waiting room she would be next I, I didn't you know I just saw that happening but didn't notice who it was and finished my conversation with mama and then I turned around and I just I won't say her name Shouldn't just so I'll just call her Miss Davis uh, just for the sake of of privacy. And but I've gotten to know her as I'm getting to know others. And so I turn around, and Miss Davis is in her last stages of, of Alzheimer's, and just that blank stare, polite, gracious, most every response is that's nice. That's nice. So since I've been with mom, that's all I get. Hello, Miss Davis. That's nice. That's nice. But I know Miss Davis is the issue. I haven't seen Miss Davis for 16 years, but we used to worship in the same church with the same time of, uh, you know, as I, I know her as well as I know you. I just hadn't seen her in 16 years. So I know her. She doesn't know me. Hey, Miss Davis. That's nice. That's nice. I see her every supper. And just say, thank you for your love for the church. We labored together. That's nice. And so, uh, but this time when she wheeled in, this is the first time I had seen her show any emotion. She was crying. And so it just bothered me, and I'd finished with Mom, so I just, I, I, I know I drive the camera guys crazy, but I just knelt down, and I just was so hurt. Her mind is always so confused, and so I just cupped her hands in her face in my hands and I said hello Miss Davis and she said hello Richard and as I sort of regained composure she said Richard how has your day been I said well it's just been terrific I said do you know what it's like when it's cold outside and you begin to rake some leaves and it's still cold, but your body begins to warm up. And then you're glad it's cold because you're warm and it's cold at the same time. And I said, that's what my day's been like. I said, I know you remember that. She goes, I do remember that. I said, now I'm going up to, the, to Ridgecrest. I said, Ms. Davis, I know you remember Ridgecrest, where all the missionaries come from, because she's a Baptist. And, I said, and we're going up there, and I have to tell her, I said, I'm going up there with my deacons because that's what she would know. I said, I'm going up there with my deacons to pray. She goes, oh, prayer is a good thing. This is the kind of life that God wants us to live, where supernatural providences are a part of our everyday walk. It thrills Him, it delights Him to do these interventions, to come down from heaven to earth and do something that only God can do. Be explained as the author of. So when I say, do I very much believe in that kind of answer to prayer? Yes. His activity is the only explanation. It's biblical, it brings him delight, it's good for our joy. And James chapter 4, verse 2 says, These things do not happen because you do not ask. James chapter 4, verse 2. You don't have this kind of life because you don't want this life, you don't believe this life is possible that God would intervene in your life on a regular basis. He wants to intervene in your life on a regular basis. You do not have because you do not ask God. Again, that is a Bible statement. That's not, not Richard. That's not, not Bruce Wilkinson. That's God through the Apostle James, through the Holy Spirit. Now, why do you think we wouldn't ask God for for blessing? Why why would we not do that? Why would we not say, please bless me? It's because of the way the prayer of Jabez began, because we're in so much crazy pain. That's one reason we don't ask for blessing, is we've lost our faith in the goodness of God, so we just stop asking for blessing. And instead of seeking His blessing, we just start existing, And we just sort of check out and say, I'm not going to believe him for blessing anymore. I'm just, from now to the day that my life is over, I'm just going to exist. I'm going to stop asking for blessing. But I do want to stop here and tell you that in my 57 years, blessing has looked a whole lot different than I thought I've told you before, I've gotten fired from two churches. Didn't look like blessing. It was huge blessing. On the way to Hope Point, a dismissal occurred, which caused me to meet seven families that said, hey, you ever thought about starting a church? No way, I'm not going to do that. I just want to read a paraphrase from Charles Spurgeon about what happens sometimes when the blessings we pray for come wrapped in packages that don't look like blessings. Because I don't want to lose you in thinking that I'm talking about that it always feels like a blessing, because it doesn't. It says Spurgeon, but a little bit of, if it ever goes down in intensity and you say, but that doesn't sound that good, then it went from Spurgeon to Smith. By these marks you shall know a blessing of God. A blessing of God will always come from the pierced hand of Christ, from Calvary's bloody tree, from the Savior's wounded side, because there is the source of your pardon from sin. A blessing of God is anything that comes as a result of the Holy Spirit's work. Even when God's plow cuts deep into your heart and leaves you wounded and maimed, if the Spirit of God is organizing the work, if the work is causing your heart to focus on sin and righteousness and judgment, if the work of the Spirit so strips you of that which is familiar and comfortable and leaves you alone with Jesus, seeing Him and needing Him much more intensely than ever, then that's a blessing. Riches may not lead you to experience God more fully. Therefore, this will not be your blessing. Health may not lead you to experience God more fully, and therefore this will not be your blessing. But if, you, but if it will draw you to God and others through you to God, it's a blessing indeed. If it raises you closer to God, it is a blessing, even if it is a cross. Anything that reaches into eternity and prepares you for that world to come is a blessing. Anything that helps you glorify God is a blessing, no matter what. Anything that enables you to more fully grasp the value of Jesus Christ and will help you help others grasp the value of Jesus Christ That is a blessing, oh, that we may be blessed indeed. That is the fullest way to pray and expect for. The first request, the prayer of Jabez. Request number two. Oh, that you would bless me, and here's the request, number two, that you would enlarge my territory, could be translated enlarge my borders, literally land, uh, maybe Take it to us today, enlarge my responsibility, uh, enlarge my sphere of influence, give me greater influence. And again, I'm just amazed, Christians, I've had people for a lot of years ask me, is it okay to pray this way? Bible prayer, not a Bruce Wilkinson prayer, Bible prayer prayer. To ask for more influence, you're going to have a hard argument praying that that's a bad prayer. If you ran a charter fishing business and you had dedicated a portion of your income to supporting a missionary family in Nepal from your charter Charter fishing business. You think it's the will of God? Father, when I take those people out to fish today, would you let us find fish? And when they go back, would you let them talk to other people in Merle's Inlet so that they would know I run a good boating business? And would you let a lot of people call me? How can that be a bad prayer? Give me more influence in my little charter fishing company, that we can send more money to Nepal. I'm telling you, if I owned a business, I'd be praying the prayer of Jabez all the time. Please let my business grow. Provide more jobs for people. That makes homes happier. And then give more through my business to God. If I was a Christian songwriter, man, Lord, please let more people hear my music. Please, God, let more people come to Christ through the beauty of my lyrics. This is how Bruce Wilkinson does say it in his book, O God and King, please expand my opportunities and impact in such a way that I touch more lives for your glory. Let, I love this, that is so simple, but that is so big, let me do more for you. You. And again, you just don't know how thrilled I am that Yako preached last week on panta peace-producing prayer. Because if you don't have peace in your life, you will not ask God, "Let me do more for you." I literally have been at times in my life I'm ashamed to say where I really I think by my silence ask God, "Let me do less." Because I was so afraid. Because I had no peace, felt overwhelmed. I said, no, I don't want to do more. I don't want one more person to have my phone number. I don't want anybody else to know. I, I laughed yesterday. We were up at Ridgecrest with our elders, and I got an email from a friend that I hadn't seen in 10 years. Hey, I hear that you're at Ridgecrest this weekend. Because he, he was too. And I, and I said, darn, I cannot stay hidden anymore. But he was a musician, and he came and brought his family, and they led our elders in worship, and it was great. It was beautiful. So it was, it was, sometimes it's good to be found out. It's always good. God's plans are always good. But I know that there have been heaven, blessings in heaven that I've missed because I was so anxious and worried and no peace that I did not ask God to enlarge my, my territory. But Jabez was more honorable than all of his brothers because, you know what, I bet they, I bet his brothers, they knew all the pain that surrounded his life. They knew what his mother dealt with. You know, when Jabez was born, it probably affected them too. But Jabez was the only one that looked at out of all the calamity that occurred at the time of his birth, and he was the only one of the brothers that still prayed, Let me do more for you. When we open our hearts to God, we will discover that the weight of His comforting glory is greater than the weight of our crushing trials. And I would like to stop right now and just ask you, if you are in the middle of crushing trials today, I would like to just ask you to stop and look <clears throat> look at Jesus it's the only way you're ever going to be convinced that God is for you. It's the only way you're ever going to convince, be convinced that he's the source of peace. Would you look, stop and look right now at the beautiful and bruised face of Jesus Christ on the cross? The beautiful, bloodied, bruised face of Jesus on the cross. Because that's him telling you, and from the cross he's telling you he loves you. That's why he's dying for you, because he loves you. Now would you step outside the tomb, the garden tomb, and as the stone is rolled away, would you look at the beautiful, radiant, triumphant face of Jesus Christ stepping out of the the tomb in victory over death, and would you look at that face looking at you and saying, I love you. I love you. And I've conquered sin for you, and that's where your peace comes from. And you have to look at Him and get that peace before you'll ask, you'll pray the prayer, let me do more for you. You have to look at Christ and give Him your sin and give Him your fear and your worry. You've got to look at Christ on the cross and Christ coming out of the tomb to believe He's for you. Oh, that you would enlarge my territory, let me do more for you. Some people don't, Some people don't do this prayer, some people don't say, uh, I, I, you know, it's not, it's not peace, it's not a lack of peace, it's a lack of uh, resources, a lack of time, a lack of energy. You go, I'm too busy. I, how can I pray, God, let me do more for you because I'm so filled up? And my response to them is, who told you to sign up for everything? That's not God's fault that you don't have any margin left. You're not living out the prayer of Jabez for your life. You're living out somebody's prayer, somebody else's prayer for your life. The world's prayer for your life. Your child's school's prayer for your life. Instead of God's prayer for your life. You don't have, you don't have time to sit down and dream and pray, God, what do you want? I want to do more for you because you're just running so much every. Where, But you have a responsibility to look at all of your training and all of your experience and all of your gifts and all of your circumstances and to say, God, I want to do more for you. And then to organize your life around the answer to that prayer. Prayer number three. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, your hand, number one, that you would bless me, number two, enlarge my territory, and number three, let your hand be with me. Well, you got to respect Jabez at this point because he knew if you're going to have enlarged territory for him, what did that mean? Probably. More crops, which meant more insects, <laughs> which meant more borders to defend, which meant more armies coming in, uh, which meant, I need you, God, to defend my land, to defend my family, to defend my workers. I need supernatural help, you looking out over my borders. So to pray for the help of the hand of the Lord is to say, um, I don't have enough strength to do more for God. So if you're, if, you're already, if you're already reluctant, if you're already reluctant to pray the prayer of Jabez, and in, in talking this sermon out with some people this week, they, they sort of laughed. And, and I mean, we sort of laughed together. I ain't praying that prayer. Any of us, pastor included, that are reluctant to pray the prayer of Jabez, it is because I am fearing a new level of dependency on God. That's what I'm revealing. When Lisa and I drove through the gates of Oak Brook, we were just driving in and the, with all the other little ants that were coming to the picnic and, and uh, just all the cars that were coming. And she said, does it ever just amaze you that people get up on Sunday morning and just come to church? I said, I wish you wouldn't talk like that. I would have never started church if I thought about it. Yeah, they just come, don't they? I said, do you think they'll come over to Asheville Highway too? And she said, yes, but more than ever more than ever because the hand of the lord will do it the hand of the lord not anything else i am uh, the hand of the lord i want to tell you just i want to go to the book of acts and look at the hand of the lord because I'm telling you when, you, when you look at the book of Acts or everything about the disciples before you get to the book of Acts, let me just, let me, here's, here's what happens before you get to the book of Acts. You get Jesus Christ saying in Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he's telling this to the, you know, the, the 11 disciples. Judas is now dead, but the 11 disciples go into all the world and preach the gospel And you have to admit, when you see that command in Mark 11, it looks like a disaster in the making. I don't ever read that going, whoo, that's cool. I look like, uh uh-oh. Jesus is about to leave, and you got a bunch of unreliable 11 men. They're going to do this. And then you go to the Book of Acts, and they these eleven men all of a sudden begin to understand how to rely on the Lord's strength and not their own. And boy, is it beautiful! And, and uh, the, like in Acts chapter ten, this is Peter. And, and he's preaching in Acts chapter ten to a group of non-Jews. These people who ha- they have no awareness of biblical background of God. There's nothing which is like has prepared their heart for a message from a Jewish preacher, really a Jewish fisherman. And the whole household of people that listen to him get saved when the Holy Spirit comes through his preaching. Now, just six weeks earlier, a little teenage girl says to this same preacher who's preaching now, Hey, do you know Jesus? And he goes, No! I don't know him. But now everything's different because he's preaching in the power of the Lord. All right, then just one chapter later, Acts chapter 11 we see that persecution against the church forces Jewish Christians they have to leave Jerusalem this is the time when you know Stephen the preacher uh, this whole time he had just gotten killed and Jew and persecution a guy named Saul remember him he's starting to persecute the church and drives the entire a lot of the church up into Syria so here's Jerusalem drives them north into Syria they're preaching along the way but they're only preaching to Jews so Jewish Christians driven out of Jerusalem because of persecution are being driven northward because of persecution. They're preaching people are being saved, but they're only preaching to Jews. Then all of a sudden you come to Acts chapter 11 verse 20, but among them were some men from Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch that's in Syria and begin proclaiming the Lord Jesus even to Hellenistic Jews. And this is phenomenal. Hellenistic Jews would be Jews that grew up by the name Jew only, but Hellenistic means they grew up in a Greek-speaking culture, so they had no concept of what it meant to be a Jew. So this is totally new territory, so you've got persecuted Jewish Christians speaking to pagan Jews living among a Greek world. What do you think happens? Acts eleven twenty one 21 happened. The hand of the Lord. What did Jabez pray? His third request? May your hand be with me. Look what happens when the hand of the Lord is with you. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The next time you read the book of Acts, and we're going to do, it's what I'll, do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to finish the prayer. Jabez Day. I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to stop right here on point number three. The next time you read the book of Acts, I just want you to notice how often this church in the book of Acts, these Christians in the book of Acts, resorted to prayer because this is what this limitless series is all about and I think if I rush through this I've rushed through an opportunity and I'm not going to do it I'd rather not finish my agenda of Jabez prayer than rush through this part in the book of Acts look at this Acts, this, is why, this is why the book of Acts changed the world or that time frame Acts chapter 1 verse 14 they all join together constantly in prayer. If you haven't yet downloaded from the App Store, the Hope Point app, please do so. We're trying to send out A little prayer every day at 3.20 based on Ephesians 3.20. 140 characters. A prayer that will cause the entire church at 3.20 in the afternoon to think together. I need to pray for my church. There's no hope for Hope Point except prayer. Because this is what they all join together constantly in prayer. And the text that I'm receiving from people that are part of the app... This is what they say. It feels so good to know that I am praying with my church at 320. So someone told me this week that it would mean something to you. I don't know why it would. Somebody just said, Richard, we didn't know that you wrote the prayers, that you're writing the prayers. I am writing the prayers. I don't don't necessarily want to do that the rest of my life. So if you say... If you say, hey, I can write a 140-character prayer, my email is richardwsmith at icloud.com. Richard W. Smith at icloud.com. If you could get a prayer down to 140 characters, I'd love to post it. I'm sort of out of stuff to say. Of course, I'm not, because God's not. But it'd be nice to see your flavor on that. But look at the book of Acts. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Acts 2.42 They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What happened? Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Who knows what God can do? if we'd get at this business of prayer. Acts 4.24, the church had just received a major threat by the government. What they do? When they heard this threat by the government, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. What happened? After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly acts chapter 12 the main leader of the church in jerusalem peter is in prison what does the church do for persecuted christians they pray what happens he's released acts chapter 13 the church in syria is praying for the will of god what happens God releases the first missionary calling to global evangelization. And the first missionary journey takes place as a result of a prayer meeting. My goodness. I know that God is launching a prayer movement. I know he's doing that here. But it's just begun. It's just begun. It's just begun. And the first prayer that you ever should pray is this one. And you don't need to bow your head, but it is this prayer. Father, I, you have made me. I'm a man or a woman made by you, O oh God. And I've made many decisions that were not right. They were not what you wanted me to do. And I confess today that that's sin. And those actions have separated me from you. And I do believe that all of the teaching of the Bible is about Jesus Christ coming from heaven to die on a cross for those choices I made that were sinful. And today, I transfer all of my sin to Jesus and ask to be forgiven. And I receive Jesus in my life. I receive the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I open my life to you, and I want to become a child or a daughter of God. I want to live in the city of God forever. That's your first prayer is to invite Christ into your life. And if you did that or you say I, I, I was listening but I didn't do that but I want to do it in the service, please come down and I, we're going to be here and there's enough people at the end of the service to receive Christ today. That's your first prayer. Now, for those of you who are living with the Lord in a walk with Him I want to lead you in a second prayer. Uh, and we're going to pray for this church, and then the band will come and sing. Let's pray.